Welcome men to the Pursuit of Manliness podcast where we are vigorously equipping men to pursue biblical manliness. My name is Jarrett Samuels. I'm the host of the podcast and men as always I want to begin by thanking you for checking out today's show. If this is your first time coming across the Pursuit of Manliness I want to say welcome. I'm thankful you're here when you get the chance Make sure you visit thepursuitofmanliness.com. You can find this podcast episode, all of the previous 399 podcast episodes. I cannot believe this is episode 400. We'll get to that in just a second. Uh, You can see what's available in the gear store, sign up for the email newsletter, uh, read the most recent blog post, and more. Specifically in the gear store, I want to encourage you, sign up for Tribe. I used to try to tiptoe around that or say, well, if you want to, if you think, if you need. I was thinking the other day, no, we need it. We need it. What happens in Tribe, we need it. So I'm telling you, make sure you secure your spot in Tribe. Registration will end Saturday, May 27th. You can find out a whole bunch of information about Tribe from the website. But maybe even beyond that, I want you to go to the, the our YouTube playlist. Um, the, I think you can click on playlist, and there's a tribe playlist. What you can do is not only hear me talk about it, but tribe has you know changed some throughout the years. So you're going to see me in older videos. Uh, there might be some things we've modified, or you know the language is different as far as how we do certain things. But the most important part of going there is you can hear from other guys, and I think that's the, the true testament of what happens in tribe. You know, I can tell you, hey, this is what it is. This is what it's about. Uh, Talk to the guys who are in it, and I'm just as in it as they are, but talk to the guys who are in it, listen to what they have to say, hear their perspective, hear how they talk with one another on those on those particular videos and podcasts. Um, we want you to be a part of that community with us, so make sure you secure your spot in that. Uh, we also have our fall men's retreat, and uh, we're, we're registration's already coming in. They've been coming in for a while for that, so uh, that is the last weekend in September, and it has been a powerful weekend the last couple of years, and this one... Um, I can't see why the Lord wouldn't do uh, more uh, than he has before. So we're, we're anticipating that as well. Uh, real quick, before I get into everything I'm going to get into, uh, as you know, many of you guys know, the Out in the Garage podcast is sponsored by Dark Water Woodwork, darkwaterkc.com. Uh, Doug Cole is offering 15% off of your Out in the Garage beard bundle. That Out in the Garage beard bundle uh, has some Armored Nation coffee in it. And so if you own it, you know what I'm talking about as far as the scent and smell and uh, texture and feel. It's just high-quality product, beard product. If you purchase that Out in the Garage beard bundle and use the code EXODUS18, all one word, EXODUS18, all capital letters. Uh, Now, 18 isn't words. They're just numbers. But you put that in, you'll save 15% off your order. Let me take a sip of coffee here. Let me let me just uh, and I and I I've tried to be pretty real and authentic on this whole journey for 400 episodes now I can't believe it um, and we're going to get into Exodus 18 in just a moment but this is podcast episode number 400 and I was thinking about this like should I say something different should I talk about 400 episodes should I you know I, I didn't do this to to get to any number of episodes I thought getting to 100 would be kind of cool I knew another guy who uh, in a different genre was doing a podcast. And we kind of talked about that as he was starting his too. Like, you know, it'd be great to get to like a hundred. You know, that, that seems like you, you, you know, you stayed with it for a while if you do a hundred. Now, obviously doing three uh, episodes per week uh, for the last year or so, that gets you up the the numerical chart pretty quick. I'm, I'm not in this for the numbers and I, or for as far as episodes, numbers and all that stuff. I'm really, I'm really not. As a matter of fact, I was telling someone recently that a year or two ago, I had talked about wiping out, just deleting uh, the old podcast episodes 
and kind of just starting from, you know, one and, and kind of building as I've seen this community, as I've seen this this ministry kind of grow and change and, um, and, and we've cultivated certain areas, I thought, you know, some of those things I talked about in the early days, I don't feel like they're relevant to necessarily what we're doing now or what we're about. And some of those things I talked about, you know, in those early days, I would say I've matured and hopefully grown up a bit more. And I think, as I've said, at almost ad nauseum, you get around high caliber humans, you will grow up. And as much as I thought I knew or as much as I felt a strong conviction for men or men's ministry or, you know, trying to get stronger marriages or, you know, kids have the dads they should have, whatever, um, getting around other guys who are sound and solid, well, that'll grow you up. And, and I feel like that's happened to me for sure. And I hope it's happened to you guys that have engaged in these communities as well. So uh, episode 400, and I say this because um, the irony of things in life. Uh, so I'm recording this out in the garage. You probably just could tell the garage door is up. I feel like that was fitting. It's kind of a rainy day, the garage door being up. Episode 400, this is where the podcast began. Um, I was trying to get the video going. And when I went to start it, my, my camera battery wasn't right. I said, no, no worries. I got others. So popped a new one in. Come out here. There's a little piece that goes into my tripod that makes it be stable. It's gone. I, I don't have a clue where it is. And I'm the only one that uses it. So I don't know where that's at. I got tripods coming out of my ears. Can't find a piece that goes in there for nothing. So I have another smaller tripod. No worries. I'll get that set up. Well, that one's about falling over, and it's just a train wreck. And I eventually get that where I think it's good. I go, oh, that's not right. I check the microphone. And the microphone battery, I use like a road mic that sits on top. They'll last forever. Nope, not this one. And I just changed it like a few months ago. It's red. I said, I give up. Okay, so there will be no video for this Out in the Garage podcast. If you guys are wanting to... To see my face, uh, it's out there plenty. Go go to Instagram or something. You can uh, for the rest of you guys who don't need that. Uh, we're going to get on with it uh, into the the audio only portion of this uh, episode. And and at times we, I've done that, and I'll I'll probably do it again. Just strictly audio. Um, it's it saves probably two hours at least. And so if you do that, if you do video for you know three podcasts per week, that's six hours. And the audio uh, downloads versus the video downloads are just not even comparison. The audio is way higher. Um, I will say this too. I, I made a video recently in, in our Pursuit of Manliness closed Facebook group. And I just said, hey, you know, the downloads. And I mentioned this on, I think, the last Friday's podcast, you know, have dropped in half and all this. I had a guy um, hit me up and say that he had been subscribed for a long time. He unsubscribed and resubscribed because he said he wasn't getting notified of the episodes either. And I said, you know, I'm not either. I don't get notified of any new content and I subscribe to my own podcast. So I don't know if it's the, the changing in the herd on there where that's, you know, what would you call subscriber content? If that, if iTunes, Spotify, whatever are not a fan of that, I don't know. So if you're, if you're wondering why you're not getting updates, that may be the reason. So we are in Exodus chapter 18 today. Exodus 18, one of my favorite chapters of the Bible because I feel like if, if you're leading, if you need to, to lead uh, in any capacity, this is a great, great chapter, okay? So Moses has been leading. Obviously, things have not gone very uh, smooth for him. We got, we're got we upset about water. We don't have food. We're back to water. We're convinced that, you know, because we didn't have any graves in the in Egypt, and you brought us out here to die and all this stuff. And so it's it has been exhausting for Moses. Well, 
his father-in-law shows up, Jethro. I'm not going to read a lot of this to you today because I know I'll talk more than I probably should. But I'm, his, his father-in-law shows up and he begins to observe what's been going on. Now, for me personally, especially in the early years of ministry, I, I, I mean, I had... I just I feel like I had anxiety. Like if I was leading a meeting or doing something, and my wife and or kids were in the room, because you felt like I didn't want to project failure. I didn't want to project incompetence. And the truth was, I didn't know what I was doing. Now I have a better idea what I'm doing. I still feel incompetent. Like I just told you about the camera. However, what happens here is Jethro and Moses seemingly have a pretty decent relationship, and I think this is important because Jethro's his father-in-law. They have this relationship. Moses doesn't feel like he has to bow up to Jethro because he says, hey, what you're doing for the people isn't good. What's Jethro noticing? He's noticing that Moses is sitting basically in a place all day long, listening to every issue, every complaint, every challenge, every tension all day long. And Jethro tells him, what you're doing is going to wear yourself out. It's going to wear the people out. Now, let's start with this. Moses and Jethro have a good relationship. Now, I know not every man has a great relationship with his father-in-law. I think you should try to. And I know not every father-in-law is decent to his son-in-law. You should try to, okay? I know for me, having two daughters that I love with everything that I am, uh, giving them away will not be easy. I have good friends who've given their daughters away in marriage. I think, oh, man, I don't know how I'm going to do that. But it's, it's, it's what we do. I still want to cultivate a relationship with whoever the son-in-laws are. And I would love to cultivate a relationship with whoever the, you know, the other father-in-law and mother-in-law are if you know they're in the picture and stuff. And so I've said before, every day, just about, I'd say 99% of the time, as I'm ending the day, I'm praying for my two daughters and my son. I'm praying for my two daughters' future husbands because the world can tell them you can marry your car if you want to or a flashlight or whatever. Like, no, I'm praying for their husbands. I'm praying for my son's future wife. And I'm praying for their future in-laws, their mother and father-in-law because they're out there. And I'm praying for their future brother and sister-in-laws. You, you people who are married, you know what that can do, uh, good or bad. And so every day, just about since the day they were born, that has been my prayer. I know I originally I started out praying for their spouse quite a bit. And then at some point, it kind of hit me like, <clears throat> you should probably pray for their, their future in-laws as well. Because uh, they're going to want you know a say. They're going to want this. They're going to impact their marriage, whether we like it or not. And so I want to be the same way. I, I would love to impact my daughter's and then my son's marriage in a positive way. It's not my marriage. I have a marriage. But I want to have a relationship with them that hopefully, uh, if I needed to, to speak some counsel, if I needed to share something, it would at least be received. And what we see by Moses is he receives this pretty well. Jethro says, uh, in verse was that verse 17 what you are doing is not good you and the people uh, what you will certainly wear yourself out for the thing is too heavy for you you are not able to do it alone now obey my voice I will give you advice and God be with you now there's some men if their father-in-law said now obey my voice and do what I say, you, you would bow up you, you wouldn't listen to that you shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God and you shall warn them about the statutes and the laws and make known to them the way in which they they must walk and what they must do Moreover, look for able men from the people, men who fear God, who are trustworthy and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and tens. I'm going to stop right there. What essentially Jethro is telling Moses is what the first uh, disciples, who were apostles in Acts chapter 6, verse 4, said. We need to devote ourselves to certain things, and because of that, 
we cannot do all things. So we're looking for people who have high character, high reputation, who hate a bribe, who love God, who are going to represent essentially uh, the people of God. I mean, Jethro says this in Exodus 18. This is essentially reworded the same way in Acts chapter 6 where they said what we, we can't we can't devote ourselves to handing out turkey sandwiches and free to lay chips all day. They were devoting themselves to the study of the word and to prayer. That's what happens here. He says, Moses, you need to devote yourself to prayer and to teaching. However, if you're the guy who is gets the complaint you know, box brought to you every day, if you're the guy who gets the email forwarded to you every day, if you're the guy who gets the screenshot of the text every day, and it's up to you to resolve these problems, you're going to wear yourself out, and the counsel you do give, it's not going to be worth a whole lot. Now, I've used this a lot. This is a great leadership tool here. Number one, if there's people in a position of leadership, they have to understand it's not about you. In this situation, Jethro says, Moses, you have a calling. You have something to do, and it's not to be everything all the time. You can't do it. Now, there are plenty of, of pastors or people in ministry or people just in, in jobs in general that what you where you work, they want you to be all things all the time, have the best personality, best attitude, and solve all the problems. You can't do that. You will wear yourself out. You will quit, or eventually um, they'll fire you because they'll realize you're human like, like everyone else. And there's a lot of churches that will try to hire a pastor or try to hire this person to come in, and, and he has to do everything. He's mowing the grass. He's printing the bulletins. He's preaching the sermon. He's, vid- he's visiting the widows and orphans and shut-ins, and he's fixing their flat tires. And, he, and then at some point, and you pay him you know, basically ramen, and at some point he says, I'm out of here. I can't live like this. And you're like, that's fine. We'll bring in another chump, and we'll pay him you know, $21,000 a year, and he'll just do all these things and you know, work at the Golden Corral on the weekends to try to earn extra money and No, you can't do that. You can't do that. He says you're going to need to raise up some leaders. This is easier said than done. Developing leadership is not about just placing people in positions just so you can have them in positions. I do think there's a point where you have to get people in positions to say, can you do this? And you're going to have to give them oversight. So for me, like as a children's pastor forever, and this is where I taught it the most, as children's minister, I'd say, okay, the thousands in our organization where we're at the church, and we were, I was a part of big churches, so I'd say that would be like the lead pastor, maybe his lead team if he had that, and then the elders. They're over the thousands. They're over the largest group of people. They're making uh, mass quantities of decisions that affect um, the most amount of people. They are making... Well, I hate the term, but they're making essentially like the 30,000 feet decision sometimes. Now, the problem can be with those who are in that position, they're so far removed from people, it's not practical. And so if you can figure out this funnel up and down, it will make sense. And again, I've taught this, taught this, taught this. If you would, I would love to come to your church, your children's ministry or whatever, and talk about volunteer structures. I could do this all day long. Hopefully I won't because um, that's a long podcast. I'm going to try to summarize it. You got the people at the top and then you have the hundreds. So that's that's your next group of people. And you got to figure out what's the break for us here. If you have a church of a hundred, then you're you're gonna you're gonna scratch the the thousands. You're out on that. You have the hundreds, and then you can do the fifties, you could do the tens. So it's just simple math. The hundreds, then, if a really big church, you're looking at your staff. 
These are the people that you have over hundreds of people. So as a staff person, I was over all my volunteers, which could be, you know, hundred plus volunteers or whatever. I had sometimes two, three environments going on at the same time. We had two elementary, one early childhood. We'd always have, even when I was in Iowa, we had an elementary, we had an early childhood. I wasn't able to see all the rooms, but I'm over the hundreds. I'm over all the parents that come back there. I'm over all the kids that come back there, the check-in people that come back there. And then I had my fifties. Okay, so this this is a tipping point because as a staff member, there's no way I can know everybody, even though people will expect you to. There are people listening to this podcast that I, I guarantee you you do not consider this. You see that staff person, or you've said the phrase, well, that's what we pay you for, which I would hear all the time. That's what we pay you for, right? But that's not biblical. It's not biblical to be stretched so thin that when you when you walk out, you you, you don't have anything left to give. And so people that say, well, that's what we pay you for, they see you as disposable. And for them, it wouldn't be a big deal if they quit the ministry or didn't show up or if it rained one day and they didn't feel like coming. It's not a big deal because that's what we pay you for. Those are not people you want to put in any form of leadership. As a matter of fact, those are people I wouldn't even recruit. I would pass over them and say, at best, you're a sub. At best. And at that, I, I would try not to use them if, if at all possible. So 50s for me were, I called them team leaders. You were over your teams. So in our hallways, if I had four or five first grade small group leaders and I had four or five second grade and third grade, well, then you're looking at 15, 20 people, whatever, but then there's kids in there and stuff. So the team leader was over their hour and if needed, over their part of the building. So for a lot of services, the team leader was over all their small group leaders. Most of the time, that did not equal 50 small group leaders. It would be close. There were times it would get up pretty high, but they were over the small group leaders. So they, the team leader, the person that I was in contact with as a staff member, my team leader would know if that particular first grade small group leader or the fifth grade small group leader or the whatever tech guy for that hour or whatever that they would know their people really well and they would also know when they went on vacation if they were sick and they would they would also take care of who's covering for who bob can't make it tonight no problem i'm moving andrea over jeremy can take this we have you know lucas coming in he's going to uh he's going to sub for here so he's going to they would handle that and, and so i would be in conversation with them and say hey tonight uh just to let you know this is what's going on awesome appreciate you doing that all right let's go so i'm pouring into team leaders i'm pouring into myself i'm ready to teach i'm probably hitting the printer on some things i'm probably checking on the computers up front or whatever and then the tens, these are the these would be the kids in that scenario, small group leaders pouring into the 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 kids. So every small group was anywhere from you know five to sometimes up to twenty kids. We didn't want it that high. If we got that high, we'd split it, obviously. But you know, so then you'd have the, they they would be pouring into the students, the small group leaders, whatever. And so then I had oversight over the whole thing, but I didn't have to be over everything. I didn't teach small groups. I wasn't a team leader. I didn't have to do check in very often. I didn't have to cut out activity pages or whatever so the point was you you create this funnel and within that funnel <clears throat> thousands hundreds fifties tens <clears throat> what is what is one of your greatest obstacles in churches volunteer engagement getting the volunteers keeping them and then um, getting those volunteers to replicate themselves and so within that model i'm constantly meeting with my team leaders at least once a month we're having conversation whether through text email whatever and uh, they are contacting their people, loving on them, pouring to them, who should be 
loving on poor on the kids. And so everybody in that sphere of influence is getting what they should get. If I was the guy who taught the lesson up front, made sure the tech was set up, went and led a group, but also was out front checking kids in, I'm not going to do that very long, and I'm going to drop the ball in a lot of areas, and it's just not sustainable. What Jethro gives Moses is a sustainable ministry model. You can buy a lot of books. You can go to conferences and seminars and stuff. And I say do it. It's good to get away. It's good to have the church pay for your meal sometimes and go out somewhere fun and eat and get a hotel, whatever. And you can read all the Patrick Lencioni's and all the stuff. There's all that stuff. And I'm not saying it's bad. There's a ton of great leadership out there. But what I have found, and, and I have been in a variety of sizes of churches, is if you can embrace this idea of who should be in what spot and what should they be doing while they're there, you can build a really healthy team structure. Now, I know this is not foolproof because there are times that people will just not buy in or there are times you just don't have the people. There are times when you try to share this, show this, and the people will just not buy into it. I, I understand that. I've experienced that. I can remember one in particular. I, I mean, the one that I tried the most with, and they just they just couldn't wrap their mind around it. And I'm thinking, as this church grows, or as this church changes, you're not prepared for it. So as I would bring these models, this model into churches or into these ministries, the people that were already there looked at you like you're some kind of nut job. But as we grew and things changed, and the, and the environments changed, and the check-in changed, and the, all this stuff changed, they were already in a position where they were ready to absorb it. It wasn't overwhelming. They didn't burn out. They didn't quit. Because they were already in a place where they could embrace this. Or they would say, this is why we've been using radios the whole time. Because I would have them use radios to communicate with one of like the team leaders and stuff. And they're like, well, this is ridiculous. I can just see them down the hallway. Correct. But if we build another hallway, suddenly you can't see them no more. Okay. So when we got to that point, radios and earpieces and things. Because here's the hook. It's all about communication. It really is. It's all about communication, whether it's game day, so Saturday, Sunday, whatever your church meets, that people have to be able to communicate with one another. You have to have communication throughout the week, whether it's an email, a text. Uh, there's times I would do, I think it was called two-minute drill, these like short videos I would put out to try to communicate something to volunteers, whatever. And, and with that idea, I was also communicating to my volunteers because I was the lead guy in that role. But what I was communicating, the team leaders were also communicating in their own form and fashion, and so it just worked. Listen, this is what we do in Tribe. We don't have thousands of people in Tribe, and I don't think it would ever be good to have a thousand people in Tribe. We have hundreds, and within the hundreds, we have broke down to uh, like the 50s, and that would be like the point man. They don't have 50 guys. They have like 20. And then even within the, like the 10s, we don't have 10 guys in a group. I mean, the, the international group is smaller. I think it's the smallest one. Um, we're not to 10 yet, but the point is there's, there's conversation always going on. Now, whether guys choose to lean into it or not, that's a different story. And there were times that the team leaders then would initiate conversation with me. Jarrett, we're not hearing from you. Or Jarrett, we need to know. You're not realizing this is happening. Hey, Jarrett, what are we going to do about Easter weekend? Hey, what are we going to do about this weekend? Hey, I think we should try this. Absolutely. I didn't have to come up with all the ideas. So when I would lead a meeting, I'm sitting around a table with a bunch of people who had been team leaders I mean, I'd buy them all coffee and stuff, of course, to kind of sweeten them up. But I'm sitting around a table with people, and they would come up with all these ideas. Now, in the early days, they would look at me like, now go do it. So now as they're coming up with ideas, I'm saying, I didn't know that. I didn't realize that. I think that's a great idea. Okay, now how can we do that? Oh, that's a different conversation. We are all going to have to do it. Oh, I'm going to have to show up and do something? You're, yeah, yeah. 
you're building a healthy environment. Now, if you look at Exodus 18, and again, you look at that portion, Jethro's counsel to Moses, Moses absorbing it and realizing that he's going to look for the people, thousands, that's going to be... In, I mean, it's bigger than that, obviously. You know that when you look at the nation of Israel. But thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. You want your lead. You want your, your elders, if you will. You want your staff. You want your ministry leads or team leaders or whatever you call them. And then you need your small group leaders. That's a healthy church. That's a healthy environment. And again, I, I love talking about this. I'm, gonna tr- I'm trying to cut it. Uh, you can break it down. If, if I'm standing in front of your team and I've stood with like the giant post-it notes, and the, you, could, you, could, you can break it down as simple as like, what are we requiring of these people? What are we asking of them? Uh, one time it was like that they wear their shirt. We had a ministry shirt. Okay, wear a shirt. That's, that's, that was our big thing. Can we get them to wear their shirts? Can we get them to check in when they first show up? Can we get them to... Listen, you're, what you're doing is you're building a structure that on the onset, those who had been there a while, some of the curmudgeons are saying, this is unnecessary. <clears throat> right. But as we grow, and as this church changes, and as new families come in, we've already created a system that this kid, when he walks in for the first day, isn't going to walk into a mass of humanity. He's going to walk into check-in person, team leader. Let me introduce you to your small group leader. Thanks, parents. Now you know where to come get. I mean, it's, it's just all streamlining the process. But communication is key. You have to have it. And if you think you're good at communicating, and you're like, it's just fine. I can do whatever I want. And that's how I used to kind of operate. Like, I'll be fine. I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, it, if you are a part of a growing church, or you're part of a changing church, or a part where the culture is changing, you'll realize pretty quickly all the areas that your communication is lacking. Now, I know this wasn't a deep study through the Exodus 18, um, but I'm telling you, we're all in a position to, to lead in this fashion. If you break down your structure wherever you're at, you realize that you can change this kind of pyramid, thousands, hundreds, fifties, tens. You can change it to fit wherever you're at. And uh, it it takes some work. I, when I first came to the the church I was at in Iowa, I put all these blank index cards up. And I remember meeting with a volunteer, and she just thought that was unnecessary, that I thought I needed that many volunteers. Um, well, I appreciate your input, but uh, this is what we're going to do. And as we, as I would gain a volunteer, I would write their name on the index card. Because prior to that, I didn't have nobody. So I'd write so-and-so's name on there. And now they are over first and third. And as you continue to grow, you just continue to do the math. You continue to divide it. First and third, okay, first isn't very big. So you're going to take first and second. Now we have a third grade small group leader. Now we have, and you just keep breaking it down. Man, I love to see healthy, especially children's ministry environments. Because when they thrive, the church thrives. If your children's ministry isn't thriving, if they can't get volunteers, if they can't retain them, if the lead guy isn't for them, good luck it's 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 daycare and i hate that i don't want any part of that so man i appreciate you guys listening to that i if if you'd love to know more about that you you hit me up we'll, we'll figure it out but uh, i appreciate you listening check out exodus 18 for yourself check out darkwaterkc.com get in tribe i'm looking at this it's friday april 28th you have until i believe saturday may 27th don't delay get your spot and you will be thankful that you did. Thanks for listening, and let's keep pursuing biblical manliness. Mm-hmm.